this is Ed Hamill, Hamill on trial. This is Henry Rollins, and you are listening to Signal to Noise. Consider yourself lucky. All right, guys, welcome to episode 42 of the Signal to Noise podcast. My name's Aaron, I'm your host, and um, tonight I am sitting in a hotel room in Tampa, Florida. I've been traveling this week for work, and so um, I'm a big fan of once I'm done with my work day, I like to go and see the sites and check out the shops and things, and that's our topic tonight is guitar shops. So um, without further ado, let's kind of get into what's going on here. All right, guys. So um, I've been talking the last couple of episodes about guitar shops. Sue and I talked in episode, was it 40? And then um, I think even last episode, episode 41 uh, with, this, with the Scuzzbox demos. And let me know what you think about those, by the way. Those were, oh man, those were like off the cuff, really quick demos. They were, it was very spontaneous. It was exactly how I was feeling. And, and I listened back to it and I feel like I wasn't descriptive, descriptive enough with my words. So that's something I want to work on, is being a little bit more descriptive with the talking and stuff. But so, I've been teasing about this episode for a while, Guitar Shops, because I moved a couple years back from the Pittsburgh area to the Charleston, South Carolina area. <clears throat> and if you're wondering, Pittsburgh, where Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So, I had a lot of guitar shops around me. Lots growing up, didn't always get to them, because like, I lived out in the middle of nowhere, and it was a hike to get into the city, but I would literally, like Sue and I talked about in episode 40... Um, we would literally take an entire day, sometimes an entire weekend, and just go into the city and hit every single guitar shop, because a lot of them were pretty close together. Once you were in the city, you could make it around there pretty easily. You know, it was really wasn't too bad to get around there and talk to, and, you know, see all the shops. So that's what we would do. We would go hit these shops. And here's, here, here's why I want to talk about shops today and why they're so important. We're guitar players. We are social creatures, kind of, by nature, right? Um, we're kind of introverted, which is probably what leads, well, I know I am, I think Sue is, and I think a lot of the other guitar players I know. So we're kind of introverted, but yeah, we like to be on stage, and we work well with each other for the most part. And guitar shops are a great place to meet other musicians. Case in point, here I am in Tampa tonight, and um, I go to Sam Ash Music. Now, if anyone's going like, well, Sam Ash, that's like a big chain. Well, they were a really big chain at one point, um, I don't think they're near as big of a chain with as many stores as they used to have. I, I kind of want to look that up now because the last Sam Ash I was at was in Nashville, Tennessee when I was living there and I hated it. Absolutely hated it. At least I think it was Sam Ash. I can't, if there's another big chain that kind of was like that, if you can think of it, let me know or somebody knows because it was, man, I don't even know. Uh, no, was it? I think it was down by the Opry Mills Mall or like an exit pass or something down that way. So if anybody's listen, listening to this and they know about that Sam Ash in Nashville when it was there, or whatever that was down there, let me know. Because, man, it, that store was just so corporate and boxy. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not being nice to Sam Ash. Maybe that was something else. But anyway, whatever that store was, in my head, it's been Sam Ash for all these years. And so when I saw there was a Sam Ash in Tampa, it was the last on my list. And... I'm glad that I ended up going. So I'm in Sam Ash tonight. I see a um, bunch of young kids in there, right? You know, and I mean, like when I say young, they're probably like in their late teens, early 20s kind of thing. And 
it's such a different age because now, like, I mean, like I know how I picked up guitar and I've told the story several times, so I won't go into it again, but kids are getting into guitar different ways. And I'm excited about that because they're going to have different interests, different tastes and a different approach. And I t- got to talk to, to the, um, the new guitarist, you know, and cause I don't want to call me young kids. I, I think that's, that's paying the light. Like young guitarist makes more sense. And when I see young guitarist, I don't mean his age per se. I mean his years playing guitar because I am a much different guitar player today than I was when I was 20, you know? And I honestly, I probably played a little bit better when I was 20 because, you know, everything was younger. Um, but I know so much more now and I can do more from a tone perspective, if that makes sense. But so, I'm talking to this kid, and he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I started getting a guitar for the last eight months, I've been working on it, Um, I don't like to use a pick, it just hurts, it hurts my ears, like, I just, I like the way the sound, you know, with his fingers, and he's playing a um, a nylon string guitar, I saw him pluck around on a bass, and we were just talking a little bit, and I'm like, hey, I said, online's great, but, you know, if you can get a teacher, because he was, you know, kind of talking about teachers, like, wow, it's so boring, you're not learning much, and like, in one video, I can get all that, and I told him, I said, yes, in one video, you get all that, but practice it. And you need somebody to talk to about it. Like, you know, how's your technique? I said, and I showed him a couple of quick things about the fingers. I said, think about this. I said, you know, if you're not up on your fingertips, you're working too hard. You're pressuring. And his, you could just see his, his eyes change. Like, oh, I didn't think about that. And we had a great discussion. He was a great guy to talk to. It was so much fun. And while we were there, there's a kid, like, just in the other room for me, because I was checking out the um, Squire Base 6. I've been talking about it on Twitter. I think I've talked about it on the show, because I've been really, really excited about it. But, um... Man, um, I, if you guys can hear that rumble, that's my air conditioning that kicked on here in the in the hotel room. I didn't think to turn it off, so I apologize if it's too loud here. I wonder if I can uh, go turn it off real quick. All right, so I'm back. So sorry about that noise. If it was too loud, I will see how this comes back on the recording. But anyway, so I'm talking to this kid in the guitar center and in the next room from us, there's this other kid. Um, and he had to be very young. Like if this kid was 18, I'll be impressed. Right now, when I say he's a young guitar player, I really mean like just age wise, cause experience wise, well, you know, he's probably still not that far into it now. You know what? Maybe cause he said he started out playing classical. So he has a classical background. If you guys are familiar with the movie, August rush, and especially the guitarist Khaki King, who did a lot of the guitar work in that movie, that kind of two-hand tapping and percussive, you know, using the guitar as a multi-accompanying-itself kind of instrument is what this kid was doing, and it was amazing. It, like, it was so good. Like, I stopped playing the Fender Bass 6, walked over, and said, you are a fantastic player, man. I am loving listening to you play. And I told him that several times throughout the night, because as I walked through the store, he keep going and playing, and it was just great, right? So... The whole point of this is guitar shops are important because there's the community. You get to meet other players. You get to talk. You get to get out there. I am really missing that in uh, the new city where I live. We've really got two independent stores that I can think of that are like worth my time. And the vibe in the one just isn't there. Like maybe it's me. Maybe I need to try harder. I don't know. But I just, I just get such a weird vibe. Um, the other one is Shem Creek Music absolutely love that store and i've talked about the guitar center there the guys in the guitar center are very cool right but shem creek music is pretty cool in fact um as i'm recording this it'll be well it's going to be sunday there's a an event going on marshall day so i'm hoping to make it to that um but anyway so guitar shops like it's a community it's a very important place and so let's talk about a few of them here 
All right, so, man, what issue was it? It is, and I've got it right here. So it was Guitar World. It was October 2016. So that means I probably actually got it in August. That sounds about right, right? Normally like a couple months um, ahead is how all that works. I'm flipping through the Guitar World magazine. I'm looking for the article again here. And um, I, I come to this article and it says the like eight coolest guitar shops in America or shop talk or something. And they go through, now I guess, oh, I'm sorry, 12 cool guitar shops, 12 cool guitar shops. And it was written by this guy, Eric Feldman. Eric runs a, um, a business called GuitarShopTees.com. Check it out. He's actually doing a really cool thing. It's like a subscription service. You get one t-shirt a month. It's a surprise. I really like it. I'm probably going to sign up for it here at some point. I was checking out all the different prices and all the options. You can do like, I think, I think I don't know if you can do a one month. I know you can do like a three month, a six month. Then of course a 12 month. And if you do 12 months, you get two free shirts, right? So that's pretty exciting. <clears throat> So what I was excited about is I'm looking at some of these shops here and I'm like, huh, like Norman's Rare Guitars, I follow them on Instagram, so I was, I was aware of them. Chicago Music Exchange, I'm very aware of them because um, they're also responsible for re Reverb.com, David Colt. I think it's David Colt. Am I, am I saying that right? Let me see here. Chicago Music Exchange... Yeah, David Colt. You know, so he runs that and Reverb. Um, I never got to go to Chicago Music Exchange. The Chicago store I got to go to was Rock and Roll Vintage, and it blew my mind. Like Chicago's got some great guitar stores, just cool inventory, cool people, great like effects and things to check out. So a lot of good stuff going on here. And so then I see Grun Guitars. Well, of course I know Grun Guitars. I just told you guys, I lived in Nashville for a year, so I am very aware of Grun Guitars. And I'll be honest, um, I don't like the new location for Grun. I really liked the downtown Nashville lo lo location. It was, I don't know, maybe it's nostalgia for me because the first time I ever saw it, it was down there when I was there for a NAMM show back in the 90s. Um, I think it was a great location. I thought it had a lot more style, class, and character than the new location. The new location is very large, and I know it allows them to do the things they want to do. It's off the beaten path, so you can't just wander by in Nashville. It doesn't have the same cool vibe that being in downtown Nashville had. And the store is very sterile looking. It's very clean. It's very white. It's um, So picture an Apple store that wasn't cool. That's what the new Grun reminds me of, with just how sterile it is. Like, have you ever been in those stores that are just overly sterile? That's what it reminds me of. I mean, it's Grun. The guy knows his stuff. They still have some of the best inventory of anywhere, anywhere going. But just, man, the cool factor is just not there for me anymore. But that's a whole other story. But so I'm looking over these, and I just about fell out of my chair as I'm reading this because shop number eight, Pittsburgh Guitars. I've talked about Pittsburgh Guitars on this show so much, it's ridiculous, but I love the shop, right? Nobody pays me to talk about this, you know, I podcast for the love of podcasting, and just talking about gear and all this sort of stuff, and so Pittsburgh Guitars on there, current owner, John Bechtold, um, the previous owner was Carl, for the life of me, I can't remember Carl's last name. But, um, you know, I had, I had, I had kind of had a relationship with Carl. I mean, just, you know, like customer shop owner relationships. Not like we were best friends. Not, I'm not even best friends with John, but they all know me. They recognize me because I bought two guitars down there for my children. Um, for each child, the year they were born, I ordered a Fender guitar for them. Uh, one got a Stratocaster, one got a Telecaster. I talked about it on the show and on the blog. I posted pictures. I've sent the pictures to the people at... 
um, Pittsburgh guitars. And it's kind of cool because they apparently had the pictures up. So they recognize me every time I come in. And I always ask them about, you know, how old are the kids now? How are they doing? That kind of stuff. <clears throat> so it's a great family environment. And I've always loved that shop. I have bought minimum four guitars there. Four guitars I can think of. My Martin came from there when uh, my wife bought me my Martin. Um, the two guitars for the kids, and then my Mexican Strat that I do almost all my demos with. And I had no intention of buying a Mexican Strat, but it had all the things I like about a Strat, and I wanted there was something that was a workhorse so I could kind of keep the kids' guitars in better shape. And man, I love this thing. Like I, I take it to work, I take it everywhere, and it's 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 what a Strat is. It's a workhorse. So I bought those. I know we bought a neck from them back in the day. We ordered, I want to say we ordered the Warmoth replacement neck from them at one point. Man, what else did we get from them when I was a kid? When I was younger. Man, I can't remember now. But anyway, so I've been going to Pittsburgh Guitars since the late 80s probably. like Probably like around like 88, 89, maybe a little earlier than that. Um, but so I've been going there a long, long time. I know those people. I love the inventory. I love what they do. And... The best part about it is their knowledge, their experience, and they want to cultivate the young guitar player. And again, not the age, the experience. They want to take the guitar player who, who has no idea what's going on and help them find the experience, find what they're looking for, what, what, you know, what's the tone you're searching. And they've all got such a varied background. It's just a great time, you know? So I love hanging out there. And it's like, you know, these shops, so the guy that's doing these articles, and again, hang on, I forgot his name already, Eric, Eric Feldman, um, in the next guitar, um, uh, guitar world, it is the, I guess, it's the, yeah, it's the November issue, uh, Tom Morello and the Prophets of Rage are on the cover, the feature in the back, where they used to do like the It Might Get Weird segment, if you've been reading Guitar World, I love Guitar World, I've been reading it since... 91 or 2 and I probably have almost a complete run since then of all the articles I really do miss Guitar for the Practicing Musician so if anybody out there remembers Guitar for the Practicing Musician hit me up on Twitter man at SGNL the number 2 and Z let's talk about it because man I miss that magazine but Guitar or Guitar World seems to be the one that's really survived and they have you know the tabs and stuff and that's one of the reasons I still get it but so um Eric here is talking about Atlanta vintage, vintage guitars. So same format that he did the shop talk. And I hope they continue this for a while because this guy really has a great knowledge of guitar shops all over the country. I would love to know more about what he's doing. And I'm hopefully, um, you know what? I should reach out to him, see if I could get him on the show. We'll see if he's interested in coming on. But so, um, I, um, you know, knowing that he's writing these articles, I hit him up on Instagram didn't respond real quick, so I found him on Facebook. Now, this is going to be funny because you guys know the past few episodes, I've been just raging against Facebook. Don't like it. It drives me crazy, and it does depress the heck out of me. But for guitars, as long as I'm going to the right places, staying in the groups, all that sort of stuff, it's a great time. I meet lots of great people. I talk about guitars. Actually, it ends up being a de-stressor for me. So I found Eric's page. Uh, again, guitarshoptees.com. Hit him up via messenger. Said, "Hey man, I'm in Tampa this week for work. What's a cool guitar shop around here?" He came back with two. I only got to go to one, Paragon Music. I wanted to go to the other one because I had actually seen it um, in my research before I came down here. I just wasn't sure about it. 
but it was a little bit further away than I wanted to drive, so that's why I stuck with Paragon. Paragon was pretty cool. So not a huge selection of any one thing, we'll say. Like um, <clears throat> they have band instruments, violins, it's a full, full service shop, right? Full service music store. Kind of like the shop that I used to work at back in the day. Noteworthy music, you know, but bigger, much bigger. Because these guys have PA equipment. So as the guitar player, I probably wouldn't frequent it as much. Um, they had, you know, some cool guitars, uh, acoustic guitars. They had a great selection of those. But like for me, I'm more of an electric player and I'm looking for effects and things. So they didn't have a lot in that respect. Um, but for gear, as far as like recording gear, like they had some good iOS mics, good prices on those. I almost picked up a Shure mic tonight. Um, lots of PA and DJ gear. Like this is, I think the best way to describe it is this is the working musician store. So you've got a gig coming up, you need something, you're going to go to this shop and they're going to take care of you. Cause, um, I was talking to, I don't know, honestly, I don't know who I was talking to, but he was a cool guy. You know, I bought a t-shirt there cause it's a nice, easy souvenir. And we're just talking a little bit, talking about guitars. He's telling me what they got in the shop and you know, we're just, you know, just chatting a little bit. It was just a really nice time and I enjoy that sort of thing. So, um, thank you, Eric. Uh, you know, hopefully you, you'll hear this. Thanks for um, telling me, you know, to check out these shops. And I really look forward to checking more out as I go here. All right. So on to the next shop. All right. So um, you guys know that I came from the Pittsburgh area. And there was a shop that was like really near my house where I used to live. It's called Sloan's Guitar Emporium. Here's why I love Sloan's. So I talked about how much I loved Pittsburgh guitars. I love Sloan's for the same reason, and even more. It was close to my house. I've never had a guitar shop close to my house. There was one that was close to my house growing up as a kid that was lousy, right? And I don't want to say too lousy, because, I mean, they were really nice guys, but they just didn't have the gear I was interested in. It is the shop that I took lessons at for a long time. It's also the shop where I bought my first ever effects pedal, and uh, which is the Boss HM2. But it just... He just never had the gear I was looking for, you know, and I mean, like, I think you got, you got, you guys all know, like, there's just certain gear just grabs you and makes you feel a certain way. And, and, and that's, that's, and I talked, I think I talked about two, one or two episodes ago, but that's, that's the tone chase, right? That's the tone search because it doesn't matter to the audience what you're playing. It matters how you feel. And then that makes you play better. It's a whole psychological thing. But so Sloan's next to my house. Dave's a great guy. He is the only KHDK electronics dealer in Western Pennsylvania, right? The other dealer in the state, because there's only two of them, is across the state down near the Philly area, right? So the complete other end of the state. So if you want to get KHDK pedals and Dave has the full line, you, you know, you go, you go up to see Dave and Butler, right? Butler PA, go check him out. Dave's a great guy. Super fun to talk to, um, a lot of experience, you know, as, as a player and just, he really appreciates just the different gear, all kinds of different sounds and music. He brings a lot of great people through his shop. Um, he's also a full-lined Wampler dealer. It's the first time I got to sit down with all the Wampler pedals and just try them out. And I really want to go back, if I lived closer, I would go back. I'd be spending like hours there every night just trying them all out because there's so many different things to try. And um, 
Another thing I always really appreciated about Dave, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, but so Dave has one of the best used effects sections I've ever seen. He really curates this this, this section. He has boxes and boxes of, of effects that he keeps, you know, I guess in the background. And he cleans them up. And I, I can never figure out why they were so clean until the one day I walk in and I see him with a toothbrush cleaning these pedals. That's how, like how much attention to detail Dave has with his used gear. He wants it to be pristine. You know, he's creating that experience for his customers. So I bought numerous used pedals off Dave. Always in great shape, always in great working condition. He's, he's a big stickler for that sort of thing. Anything that he takes in, he wants it to be resellable without a lot of hassle for the, for the next person, right? He wants you to basically just be able to, to, to buy this, put it on your board, and go. You know, so he really takes care of that way. And so it's been a great thing. Um, I'm hoping he listens to this and he decides, you know what? I, I need, really need to go on the show because I've been on him for minimum six months, I think. Minimum six months, possibly longer to get him on this show. I really want to get him on, just talk about gear, talk about music, talk about what's cool at the shop because I miss talking to Dave and I miss hanging out with those guys at the shop. And this, you know, segues back to just what I've been talking about. Guitar shops are important, right? So there are so many things that you can do online. You can, you know, buy everything online, anywhere. Sometimes it's cheaper, sometimes it's not, sometimes it's faster. The main reason I buy things online is because I can't get it anywhere else. If I could have bought in the Scuzz box locally, I would have. Um, if I lived near Dave... I'd be buying all my KHGK pedals from him and all my Wampler pedals from him because I would rather buy it from somebody in person. I don't know if that's my generation, if that's just the way that I grew up. But the main reason I shop online is because retail is changing. Because you can get everything online, less people are keeping things in stock in their stores. But this is where I think guitar shops can really have an advantage, right? So Dave's shop... Dave has the best selection of used pedals that you can go, see, try out, and get. He's always getting something new in there, so it's always kind of exciting. It's like, oh, man, what kind of deal am I going to find? What little gem of tone am I going to find there, right? Um, you know, when I went to Sam Ash tonight, Sam Ash, I, I, I've probably been in guitar stores that have been bigger, but I guess it's been a while. I was just overwhelmed tonight. The walls were filled with guitars. Um, I found the, the bass six. I'll talk about that here at the end. Hopefully I remember. But then they just had pedals everywhere. I bought this little, and I'm sure someone's going to make fun of me. It's either Hot One or Ho Tone. Probably Hot One makes more sense. But it's those little bitty micro pedals. It's made in China. It's the Skyline Series Stomp Box. This is the most impossibly tiny guitar pedal I've ever seen. It's a tremolo pedal. You guys know I'm addicted to tremolo pedals. So I tried it. I bought it because I've been wanting one in my collection for a long time. It's, um, it's really cool looking. Like, I really, really dig it. Um, but so I bought that there tonight because they're, they're filled with pedals. And that, that's what I like because I want to go into a shop that has, you know, something cool. So this is where I think like shops like Dave... And other of the smaller shops can start to really make a name for themselves and keep a client base because if I can go to your store and get it faster than buying it online and I can try it out and it's cool, like that's awesome because you can go pretty much everywhere and find Boss and DoD, right? Those are a dime a dozen. Those are the two big boys. 
They're everywhere. But you can't find a JHS everywhere. You can't find a Keeley everywhere. You can't find Death by Audio hardly anywhere. Idiot Box, nobody stocks them anywhere near me. Um, the only shop I found that stocked Death by Audio and Idiot Box was in Chicago at Rock and Roll uh, Vintage. That place was amazing. Like The whole reason I went to that shop is because they stocked Death by Audio and I've been dying to try some out. Once I got some hands-on with them and got to experience them and really see it, because I listened to the demos, and this is just something I'd, I've learned about myself. Like Demos are great. I need hands-on to start to understand what the product is about, like how it's put together. And once I understand what their parameters are, how they build it, well, then I have comfort buying other stuff from them online, sight, on, sight unseen. You know, so that makes things easier. So as guitar players, we need to keep the shops alive. You know, go into your local shop and frequent it. Like I'm trying to, but I'm not finding the things that I want. So shop owners, hear me. Um, create an experience for your customers. Stock, you know, t like take a poll of your customers. Stock something crazy. Maybe, you know, call up some of these, these small manufacturers and just buy a couple pedals from them to, to trial some things because there are tons of independent builders. Heck, I think there's tons of independent builders just around me that I'm finding between Atlanta and uh, Columbia, South Carolina. Why am I not seeing those in the shops in Charleston? Because those are local builders. I, they should be there, right? Like, what a, what a great place. Here's some small local shops. They're only like an hour and a half away. They could drive down, get a couple, work on a deal. This is a win-win for everybody because it's local business, staying local, um, people in the area creating things just, I don't know, it's, it's an amazing ecosystem that I think is fantastic. So I really think that as guitar players, we need to get to the shops because that's where we get to hang out. We get to hear new ideas. Like, I am so inspired tonight. I am probably talking like 100 miles an hour tonight and you guys are probably like wow what is up with him did he have too much caffeine but it's because i'm so excited because i hung out with other guitar players tonight and it was great it just blew my mind because i'm like holy cow i can't do that and i'm not the kind of guy who gets upset by it i get inspired by it because it's like wow i've got to practice that gives me a new direction to try you know so i get really excited with that sort of stuff so I want the shops to stay around and I, you know, cause I, I still subscribe to the, to the music trades. I read the different things that music, music store owners have to say. And I think part of it is they've done it to themselves because the internet's a distribution channel, right? So if you have an easier way of getting things to people and I, I man, I feel like I said this last episode, but it's going to take hold, right? So, I mean, the, the Pony Express was re replaced by, you know, mail cars, you know, it's it's faster, it's more efficient. It's another distribution outlet. You know, newspapers are dying because they can't get news as fast as you can get online through CNN and all these other places and TV and that sort of stuff. But they did like there's times where I think they did it to themselves. Did you have to hold back on things like this? You know, are you doing things that are time sensitive? Are you doing things that can be thought about can be pondered. You know what I mean? Like, I think magazines really have their place because instead of trying to write things that are time sensitive, hey, here's what's hot and promoing things now, because you can do that online, same day, next day, all that sort of stuff and turn around much quicker. Magazines now have the chance to become like almost more, more of journals, right? Because they're like different like medical journals where 
people would publish papers and thoughts and they'd be something you'd hold on to and you'd read, you'd reread because it was, you know, valid information, a great source of information. I think magazines have that potential to evolve. And I think with the shops, you know, that are fighting the internet, you need to stop fighting the internet on price and start fighting the internet on selection and customer service. Um, one of the reasons that I hang out with Dave is, you know, we were not friends. We didn't know each other until I started going there. And just over time, just talking to Dave, he was just a good guy. And that made me want to go back, you know, and the same thing with the guys at Pittsburgh guitars. And even, um, like the, the people that I met at Sam Ash tonight, they were super cool. And I will tell you this, like, I really, um, I would like to get the guys from, uh, no, is it not Chicago music exchange? We're going to say rock and roll vintage because those guys were amazing. The rock and roll vintage guys, man, that was two, three years ago. Now I was there. I get there, they were either closed or closing in 10 minutes. One of the two. I was there after close. They had shut down. I'm the only customer, and they let me demo pedals, didn't rush me, took care of me, and I bought a Death by Audio pedal that night. It was my first one. You know, and because I got it hands on, I got to sit there, and those guys were just a blast to talk to. You know, we talked about it, we joked about how am I going to get this on the airplane. You know, I told them about the story about, um, when I bought the TS9 and um, the, you know, it looked like a bomb on the x-ray, that sort of stuff. So we're having a good time joking about that. Just, you know, having a cool shop with, with, with people that, and I mean, I guess cool is, a, is subjective, right? Because everybody has their own idea of cool. But these were just people that were easy to talk to. They're non-judgmental. We're all looking for the best tone. They probably may, you know, maybe not, didn't even like some of the sounds I was coming up with. Cause I know I've been in a lot of music stores where I can tell that the owners are just like giving me the eye because I am making some crazy noise, but that's what I like. Hence the name signal to noise of this podcast. And I like pretty melodic things too, but I really like noise and I want to have that in my arsenal, you know? So man, um, guitar shops, you have an opportunity here. If you start seeking out, the, the small builder and, you know, and, and not just any small builder, but look for stuff that's quality. Like, you know, maybe take, take a couple customers along that you trust, have a couple guys come in like, Hey, I'm going to get some new stuff in here. Get, you know, come in here, uh, when this guy's going to be here and help, help me demo this stuff. I want to see what your thoughts are, you know, because I think there's, there's a lot out there and there's a lot that can be done because Amazon is great if you know what you're looking for, but if you don't, that's where I want to go somewhere where I can do hands-on and I can talk to somebody else and I can talk to other musicians that are using it because that's the difference there, right? So um, as, as Pittsburgh Guitars always says, support your local guitar shop, right? Um, so make that a point. All right, so last topic tonight will be the Fender Bass 6. So here I am in Sam Ash. I walk in there and I'm probably one of the only guys in there. So everybody's on top of me, right? All the sales guys, because there's a bunch of people in there. It's like, oh, hey, hey, how you doing? Oh, hey, any questions? Like I was asked that three times in 60 seconds. And I don't say that as a bad thing because I know, you know sometimes I'm like, okay, really? Back off. But like, I get it. I'm the only person there. They're bored. They haven't seen another person in who knows how long. So I get it, right? And I finally just told them like, listen, guys, I'm from out of town. I don't have any great guitar shops near me. 
you have more guitars than I've seen in a while, and I just need a minute to look at every single guitar on the wall. And they got a chuckle out of it. We laughed. We were talking. Uh, the one guy that was there was telling me there's a Beatles movie coming out I didn't know about called um, Eight Days a Week, The Story of the Beatles. I believe it was directed by Ron Howard. This is all hearsay from, based on what he told me, but it sounds pretty amazing. So I'm walking through the store. I'm looking at everything, and I almost never, and I mean almost never, look at the bass section because as a bass player, Man, I found my instruments. I have my Carl, Tom Carl Thompson bass for when I need the hot rod, so to speak, with a really fast, uh, small neck that's easy to get around. And then everything else is my P bass. I'm a P bass man. You know, I'm a Fender man. That's what I play. That's what I like. That's what feels comfortable in my hand. So I really don't look at basses often. And um, I've been on this search for the bass six for a while. There's one down in Jacksonville on Craigslist for 250 I wish I would have driven down, tried it out, and picked it up. Um, because man, that was a deal. So I keep watching Craigslist. I search for it every so often just to see what's in there. And I'm wandering through Sam Ash and I look up on the wall and there it is, a Fender Bass 6. I couldn't believe my luck because I've been trying to find one in the music store anywhere near me. Like even like up in Charlotte, I am willing to drive to find a Fender Bass 6 because I want to try this. I can't get my head around it, right? I can't get my head around the fact that it's supposed to have bass strings, but it's tuned like a guitar, but it's an octave lower, so it is a six-string bass, but it's not a six-string bass that has the neck that's like, you know, five feet wide. You can barely get your hands around. Like, my buddy Mark, one of the best bass players like that I think I will probably ever personally know. And I mean... Honestly, I like I, I haven't seen him play in a while, but in our younger days, I would have put him against any professional big name bass player out there. And I'm not talking like just like one style like punk or metal or anything like that. I mean like you give me an O'Teal Burbridge, you give me um like a virtuoso like you know, Les Claypool, I will put Mark up against them and he would have held his own. Mark was just that good. Right. So Mark's just been one of those great bass players and he has a six string bass and he can do it. And I think he's got smaller hands than me, man. So how he does it, dude, I'll never know. Like, it, it's just in his genes. Like, you ever meet people like that? People that are just so good and it's just like from birth. Like, that's just how it feels. But anyway, so he's a great player. He played a six string, but I can't get my, my head around. So it's like a guitar, but it's a bass and... It's bass strings. Well, how thick are these, right? Because, I mean, I played some pretty heavy strings on guitars before, but how's this going to work? So I see it on the wall. I light up. I am so excited. I walk over to the guy. I'm like, hey, I found what I want to play. And so he was working with another customer. He's like, oh, give me a minute. I'll get the ladder. So he gets it out, brings it down, gets me a tuner. This thing is awesome. It is exactly what I hoped it was going to be. And I've got all kinds of ideas because I think I mentioned... I've been working with Josh, and um, we're trying to come up with some like weird experimental stuff. And I've got some ideas where this could really do a lot. I've got, I, you know, what I don't want to get too much into it yet because I don't know where it's going to go. But wow, am I excited about the possibilities? Because man, this thing is so cool. So it doesn't feel any different than playing a strat to me. I was telling my wife about this when I called her. You know, it it doesn't feel any different than playing a strat. Um, even though the body was just kind of weird and kind of ugly, it felt so natural I didn't even notice. Because most of the time, if the body shape just doesn't look quite right to me, I'm not digging it. Like, like guitar aesthetics are important for me. Like, if it's just not quite right, like, I just can't get into it. 
And I dig this. It has three single coils. I like the tones of the, the coils. I can't figure out what the switches do. One switch turned everything off altogether. I'm not sure if it was supposed to or if that was an accident. But um, it was still pretty darn cool. And I'm just playing this thing. You can do chords. You can do bass lines. You can do a bass line and a chord. It was an amazing instrument. Why is this not more popular? Why have I not heard of these before? And... I, you know, I, I kick myself because, like, how many times did I see one of these in a pawn shop and pass it up or not know what it was? You know, could I have picked one of these up cheaper when I was younger, you know, and been doing something with it? Um, I, I love it. I love that it's round wound strings. That made my day. I was afraid it was going to be flat wound because I'm not a flat wound guy. I don't like those. But I love those round wound strings. Um, if you guys get a chance, man, check one out. It is a very unique experience. And I'm so glad I finally got to play one. Um, I, it is absolutely on my radar. I'm going to be watching the the used market for it. I might even think about picking one up new. I, I, I'm I'm considering it because I mean, for 450, it's really not a bad investment for what it is. And it was pretty sweet. I mean, it's a Squire, and Squire got a bad rap in the um, 80s, 90s, right? Like late 80s, early 90s. I can remember some really really terrible Fender Squire instruments, especially basses that I played. And um, this is a whole different instrument. This is probably the best Squire I played. And I think part of it is because it's got the things I love about Fender. It's not a satin finish like they try to do on their pawn shop series. It's the high gloss, you know, and it looks like what Fenders look like for the last few years, but it's got that feel. It's got the classic Fender feel. I pick it up, it feels like a Fender in my hand. It feels like my P-Bass with six strings on it. Actually, probably more like my Strat with big bass strings on it, but it's just, man, was it fun. And different tones and all that sort of stuff. So that's on my radar. And um, this has gone way longer than I thought it would go for me just rambling tonight. So I hope you enjoyed the topic. Um, hit us up on social media. Instagram, SGNL the number two NZ, same for Twitter, same handle, both places. We're also on uh, Facebook. I am trying to post there more, at least post the episodes and things. You can go there, listen to them, check them out. Of course, we're on iTunes. Um, if you like the show, please give me a review in iTunes. I really want to, um, really want to start, start taking this a new direction. You know, I took a couple years off. I've talked about this before, but I'm coming back and I think I know where I want to go with this show. Um, Sue's been helping me plan a couple of ideas, and um, I, I don't know when they're going to come to fruition, but we got a couple of cool ideas that kind of fit with what I've been talking about, about the fact that I love music and sound and the creation and the creativity that goes into all those things. So that's kind of going to be what some of these episodes coming up will be. But So hit us up on social media. Let us know uh, what your favorite guitar shop is, what you think about guitar shops. Oh my goodness. I can't believe that I forgot about this. So guitar shops. So I bought my Scuzz box online from Keith, right? Uh, Keith, I think it's Keith Barris, but it was the, the guitargurunetwork.com. So Keith has done what few online shops have done. He has a community. He ended up, I don't, I'm not even sure how the series of events went. I ended up in a, in a Facebook group for his customers. Um, he posts stuff, the customers post stuff. I uh, posted about cool shops in Tampa there. I got some responses back. It, it, it man, like, cause I told you guys, I don't have the kind of shop that I want where I'm at. And 
this is actually kind of filling that void. So Keith, hats off to you, man. Thank you for that. Um, really, I would want to wrap it up. Hit us up on social media at SGNL, the number two NZ for Twitter and Instagram. Um, I think it's even actually facebook.com slash SGNL2NZ, right? So check us out, all those different places. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, make some noise. Thank <laughs> you.